live. Delighted as always to have your company this afternoon. We do this show every day and um, we thank you for watching. We want to get your comments in today as we, as we have done since we started. Please get your comments into the show. We'll put some of them on the screen. We'll read some of them out. We'll discuss some of them as well. We want you to get involved in all of the topics uh, that we go through uh, on our live streams. We love we love being here every day. It's it's fantastic. Hopefully, it's a, a community and a friend for you uh, when you most need it, and something that you can get involved in uh, every lunchtime. Right. Without further ado, I'm going to introduce my guest today. I'm delighted to say that Darren Talbot joins me uh, once again, the uh, Chief Finance Officer of Aspen White Wales. Darren, very good afternoon to you. Good afternoon, Ben. Yeah, delighted to have you uh, on on the show. We've also um, got uh, Rob Hook, who is the Sales Director uh, for for Aspen White. Uh, He's joining us uh, on the phone. Good afternoon to you, Rob. Hi, Ben. Hi, Darren. Yeah, lovely, Hi. lovely to have you uh, on the show as well. We got, we, we always have so many things to get through uh, in this lunchtime slot. And and by the way, if you're listening on the podcast, hello to you. This is available on the iTunes Store. It's available on Spotify as a podcast, and you can also subscribe to our YouTube channel. I have to say these things before we start. Subscribe to the YouTube channel, even hit the bell and get notified whenever we go live. Uh, So hopefully you've done that. And do tell someone about the show as well. We love uh, bringing new people into the show at lunchtimes with Aspen Weight. Right, let's get into the show today. We've marked a couple of topics that we want to talk about. Firstly, um, this is such a difficult time. And the focus really on a number of different areas is, are, are on leaders and especially with the news that Boris Johnson's in intensive care and a lot of talk yesterday, a lot of questions that were asked uh, on the government's press conference were around the idea of leadership. What happens because Boris is not around? Who who makes the decisions? Who is leading? And I noticed that a lot of the journalists were really homing in on that. You know, who is the leader? Who is making these decisions and uh, on strategy because it's such an important time. Um, Darren, I'm going to come to you you first on this. It's, it's, it was a valid question, wasn't it, that was getting asked yesterday? Uh, yeah, certainly so. With the, the times being so difficult, you know, it's going to take strong leaders to take you out of these situations. I think the sort of the initial two weeks of, um, I think any good leader is, um, you know, the rabbit in the headlight syndrome is always going to be there because the, we're in unprecedented times. But now is the time for the for the leaders you know, to step up across business, across politics, and everything else. You know, and you know to support Boris, where you know where necessary, and to support firms to support each other, and you know lead from the front. You know, because at the end of the day, the government support is there for the time being. But when that goes away, it's going to need really good, strong leaders, good financial stewardship to you know to take to come out of this situation. Yeah, and, and Rob, it was something that we spoke about before coming onto the broadcast today. That you know, strong, strong leaders in a situation like this. You know, what you look for and and who who is really driving this situation. I guess you could talk about not just the prime minister, but people that the, the chief medical officers, people that are leading it from the medical side, from the global side. It's 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 such an important time. It is, but it's also for businesses right now. And, I, and you hear the words unprecedented times, and that's that's absolutely true. Um, but leaders have to survive and thrive in spite of that. So the, the, the generic skill of good leadership is, in essence, this is where we currently are, this is where we want to be, and this is how we're going to get there. Those are the three component parts. So leadership is all about envisaging what the future will look like. That, that's what it's really got to be focusing on, even though we know we're in precedent times. 
Yeah, and that in a very good point that you made there. With with we touched upon uh, leadership on a global level, and we look at when we talk about leaders in this context at the moment, we would we'd be talking about those people like the chief medical officer, the chief scientific advisor, uh, the prime ministers in different countries. But Rob makes a good point down. You know, actually, leadership at the moment in business is so important. Uh, you know who's who's making those decisions in the business? Who's deciding? As we've talked about many times on this show already, re-strategizing, looking at ways that the business is going to go in a different direction. Yeah, I think so. And you know, we've done this till the death. You know, working on your business rather than in your business. And you know, just an example this morning, obviously working with the, the great Mister Wait. You know, uh, email from him this morning about you know taking this time to sort of look at you know the train a training exercise in terms of on Zoom. You know, we don't really usually have time to do much of the training side of it because we're all so busy. But during this time now, imparting that knowledge from the leaders down to the teams to do, make sure that you know they become the you know the next leaders and the next great people within a business. And I think you know, you know, Paul does it naturally. I think other people find it a little bit more difficult. But you know, I think what you'll see is the firms that come out of this are the ones that are spending that time now on strategizing working on their business, making sure that, you know, taking every opportunity, you know, I mean, we've spent, you know, numerous nu- numerous weeks, you know, looking at um, the COVID-19, getting out our friends program, the media guys and marketing team working solidly. This is the time where the marketing people really t- t- turn to earn their money and sort of go, you know, the leaders go to people to make sure that they can actually, you know, assist in this time and, and come out of this ready to, to grasp every opportunity that they can. Yeah, it's a real, uh, Rob, it's, it's, a, it's a real tough, task uh, right now if we strip it back to to looking as Darren said at a business um, what sort of qualities um, would, you be, would you be looking for in somebody that's going to really lead in a difficult time they've got to have a vision I mean that that they've, they've really got to know where they're going um, the, what's happening at the moment is going to be raise a series of obstacles and hurdles and how they get around them is, is what they're going to solve but they need to know where they're going and uh, I, I think there's somewhere in the Bible that says, you know, without a vision, my people perish. And it's absolutely true. So the vision that somebody is leading is saying, this is where we're going. And I, I would encourage people in uh, senior, senior positions in business to say, this is where we're going, guys. This is where we're going and follow me. And, and, and they will. People want to be led um, so long as they know where they're going. And just going back to um, uh, away from uh, the business and into the government, um, Darren, again, that press conference yesterday with all the, the questions, do you think it's important that if um, the Prime Minister is, n- is not going to be around for a couple of weeks because of this, that, that actually um, it becomes a little bit more official and somebody is... Uh, um, Put, put in place that really is going to be known as, as the Prime Minister at the moment? Is it, is it a time where we really need to have that clarity? I know that uh, Dominic Rabb has, has said he's, he's in charge, but do we need a bit more clarity? Do we need to vote somebody in? Um, I think no. I think, to be honest, you know, it's, it's difficult. You know, Boris has done, a, you know, in my opinion, a, you know, a great job in such difficult times at the moment. And, you know, despite you know, obviously, you know, the circumstances we're in, um, I think you know, it would be too soon rather to sort of um, appoint someone officially in my humble opinion, but, you know, I mean, politics is not my my strongest bag, but I think what the key thing is, he's got a cabinet there that have, that have got potentially good, strong leaders, and whether someone's named as a leader or um, or not, 
they need to, you know people need to step up in this time of crisis we only saw it on the weekend you know with um the chief medical officer in scotland you know what i mean um publicizing you know what i mean all the all these lovely rules about um self-isolation and everything that's enough to a holiday home and you know she had to you know, form a sword or uh, technically pushed out of a job um you know at the end of the day it is important, you know, these leaders are not the hypocrites. They are actually, you know, sticking to the plans that they and the vision that they, they want the rest of the people to follow rather than some chopping and changing and um, not, not doing what they say in the tin. Yeah, it's a really interesting topic, this uh, one of uh, leadership and not just for individuals, but perhaps, and, and not just for businesses, but for, for, for different um, functions across the UK. Uh, and one of those I'm going to mention is uh, sport at the moment. We were going to delve into a little bit of finance in sport. But this really does go on the back of leadership because leading by example is one thing that's being said quite a lot at the moment. And football clubs, let's start with football clubs, the way that they have dealt with this situation um, has been met with mixed reviews. You know, the likes of, I think, Tottenham Hotspur and and Liverpool have have come in for a, a lot of grief. And then the other side of the coin is that, you know, players give and clubs give money to charities and, and all sorts of things and actually there, there's going to be an Im- a big impact which we'll come on to talk about for not just football clubs but rugby clubs and there's reasons behind why they're taking these financial decisions cash flow will, will be a massive part of that and I know Darren that you'll be able to talk about that but if we just look at leading for example as a, as a, as a first one it's, it's so important in the public domain at the moment and, and clubs have come in for a real battering over the weekend for for leading the wrong way oh definitely and then um, you know the owners the owners and the, so the, the, the senior managers of clubs whether whatever advice they were taking all you know was just, just totally wrong because you know everybody looks to sport as a as an outlet it also is a business and you know, the decisions that were taken on the weekend and although going back on some of those decisions now you know as, as, as we covered so much everybody will remember that you know what decisions they made in the first instance will be what they're tarred with and I think, you know, when you look at the you know, the sporting world right across there, there's so many sort of, you know, you see it on Facebook, Twitter at the moment, some good stories from players, managers, etc. leading, you know, going out, not going out to the community, but, you know, talking to people within the community, season ticket holders, keeping those stakeholders, you know, within a business happy, bearing in mind that a quarter of the season in, in both rugby and probably football has not been played. You know, you've got all these people thinking, well, I need my season ticket money's back or I'm not going to you know, sponsor in the club. Those decisions you know, can be swayed with stupid mistakes that were made on the weekend. And Rob, we, we just talked then, you mentioned about decision makers, you know, real leaders. When you look at the, the global situation, people in those football clubs would have been, will, will be at such a high level when it comes to um, business um, you know, not only finance, but marketing and and, uh, and all those kind of communication and branding. It, does it um, does it baffle you a little bit of how some of those decisions were got were gotten so wrong at the weekend by those top? Let's not just say football clubs, but top businesses, top organisations in this country. I, it, it did surprise me for a number of reasons. One is um, that everyone knows how much money is uh, swirling around in sport, and it's a huge, huge, huge amount. And so, so when you hear the occasional plead for poverty, um, I think that's going to fall on deaf ears. I think the second point is that, that they, they need to understand that all of these sports survive on the basis that they've got a fan base. And I think Darren alluded to the community. They should have looked 
first to the community, the fan base, because that's where the money's going to come from and make sure that they keep as many of them uh, on board. Because we will get through this. We will carry on playing football and rugby and Formula One. And they need to attract back those um, those uh, fans. Diehard fans will never leave. But the floating fans, they will need to come back. And I, I, and I do think that the leadership could have been a little bit, in, in some instances, not all, Some of, I've heard some great stuff, should have been more aware of the impact on the fans and their reputation. What surprised me a little bit, let's just take Liverpool, for example, as, a, as, a, as an organisation, as a business, as a football club, for them to get it so wrong and to actually come out and say, look, we, we got it wrong. We furloughed our staff. It was the wrong decision. And it still baffles me now. I mean, f- fair enough, come out and, and say you got it wrong. But to, to Darren, to make that decision in the first place, it, you, you wonder what kind of processes are in place to, to, to think about it if they're going to make a decision, get it so wrong. Yeah, it is a difficult one because, you know, you're looking at the business, you're looking at cash flow and everything else. And, and Liverpool is not a club that, that really sort of pro- strikes me as a club that's struggling with terms of cash flow. And, you know, every business, every sports business is, is, it will be different in terms of what they do. Um, you know, and, and, and rugby and football, um, you know, it's the same process that you have to go through. It's all just the relative amounts. But, you know, to get it so wrong... You've got to think that who was leading there, and you know, and and who was the one that you know, sort of come up with some of these decisions? Was it was it being driven purely by money and the need to sort of you know, cap, you know, sort of capitalise, but utilise the government schemes that are out there? They are there for everyone, but you know, as a sporting world, it is difficult to sort of you know because you've got this fan base that you know at the moment football or rugby you know can't seem to do. Right, for because it's you know it's, there's no sport going on, so people are looking at them and saying, "Well, look at that person's doing now. Look at this person's doing," and um, because they're not watching sport at the moment, and they everybody's missing it. Yeah, I think it's a, it's a, it's a it's a really good point, and and certainly things have been pointed at uh, Premier League football clubs. We touched on this on the show a couple of days ago uh, with the wages and everything else. Let let's spin it round though and look at it from a business, a purely business point of view. So much criticism from people to the football clubs making the decisions that maybe Tottenham and Liverpool have, and maybe they haven't quite got the same justification. But I read an article yesterday that said a lot of these football clubs do not have the cash that everybody thinks they have. They do not have the reserves. They do not have the cash that are in place to survive something like this for very long. And obviously the lower down the leagues you go in, in the football pyramid the more this will affect clubs. So if we talk about, and if you know your football, the championship down to League One and League Two, which just covers the professional game, there are clubs there that we're really worried that they won't survive. But even in the Premier League, it surprised me with the article that I read in the Times that some of these clubs are whiskers away from having cash flow problems as well. Um, I'll come to Rob in a second, but Darren, first of all, using maybe rugby as an example... Can you try and explain why that might be? People will just see all the money that goes in, um, but the, the cash flow is is slightly different. Yeah, certainly, and you know, at the end of the day, a lot of the you know, the clubs are run um, basically on a not for profit basis, in effect, because what they what they're out there is, is as an entertainment and a and a sport. So you know, they are you know, I mean, from my experience working in rugby, you might have sort of you might be asset rich, you know, in terms of, of some some of the assets you might have in stadiums and so forth. But you're not cash rich, and I think you know a lot of clubs in, in in both football and and rugby, you know, have been on the on, on the brink of 
some form of trouble, you know, over the last number of years. And I think, you know, it's only the sort of top echelon and uh, that actually, you know, survive and thrive. Whereas you look at the sort of the lower league side of it, you know, the community game in Wales, uh, in particular for rugby, is literally it's on its ass. Pardon the pun, because there is, you know, there is they don't get a huge amount of funding. You know, I mean, the, the funding is always for the, for, the, for the top people and they rely on the community. And the problem is the community are not going out. They're not watching sport at the moment. So it's that sort of fan base is that, that, that's just, that they're going to struggle with. I think, you know, I mean, the clubs that will do well are the people, are the, are the clubs that will that will manage it, manage it well. And I think, you know, I'm looking at some of the clubs I work with within Wales and, and, and some of the sort of leadership there. You know, what I mean, right from the start, you know, the leaders um, within the senior management team, there's been a, almost like a sea change. In, 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 their men, in their mentality and outlook is right. What can we do here? What, how can we all help to, to get through this? And just things like, for example, we know that we got quarter of the season gone and we were worried about things like season ticket, season ticket money. Now, and the first thing we, we looked at was let's actually start contacting the fan base and explain to them, well, we are missing rugby. Are you in, are you in any need as such? And we contacted you know, over you know, three or 4,000 season ticket members um, using the senior management team and people were just pleased to hear from us. They didn't really want. They didn't really want to talk about their, their, their season ticket refund, you know, in or anything like that. They wanted to actually say, "Can we have a season ticket for next year?" Because yeah. we know you must be struggling for cash. So a lot of people actually do get it, you know, that the, the, the cash is tight, and you know, it was uplifting and warming that you know these people be contacted and follow up calls with some of the more lonely people we had, we had talked to have been taking place this week, and that's that's great. But you know, it's having that sort of vision to sort of say, "Well, actually, we're not going to launch season tickets now because." It could be a bad time, but it may be a good time for people because, you know, I think as some people actually understand that, you know, the sport needs that money. Yes, yeah, it's, it's, it's one. Of, I'm going to pick up on one of the points that you, you made there, Darren, and, and pass it over to, to, to Rob. Is we've seen we've seen this a lot. We talked about it in business. The fact that this is going to change businesses forever, um, because not just because of recovery, but there will be practices that will be put in place and people have sat down and reviewed their business in a way that they wouldn't have done if coronavirus wouldn't have happened are we going to see the same in sport do you think rob where people maybe financially from a cash flow point of view maybe from just a general with the broadcast rights and different things are actually going to be looking at sport and thinking we need to make a change here because we've realized this is maybe is unsustainable if things can happen that affect it yeah, and going back to um, you know, what do we hear um, about football is players' wages. And when you hear those players' wages, it just beggars belief compared to, you know, some of them are earning four or five times in a week the average salary. And so it's not unreasonable that people are um, reluctant to say, hear the word poverty in, in when they know that these players are getting the sort of salaries they're getting. Um, so I, I, I think they, they simply have to communicate with the fans what the real issue is. That, that's where I think I would be going because they have to overcome the sort of the myth that these um, top players, which they have to pay the salaries. If they want to be um, winning the Premier, you've got to have the Pogba's of this world and the, and the others. And they, they are professionals. They're there to make money. They have a limited lifespan. So they've got to earn as much as they can during that period. And, uh, uh, I don't blame them for that, but to th- that's the only bit I think that we remember is is their salaries. And in this row, I guess, um, as, as you mentioned, the salaries. There's a uh, in most of the papers every day you can read about 
that the uh, row between the Premier League and the Football Association, which is the, the governing body, I'm, I'm just trying to put this in terms for anybody who's not a, a follower of, of football, because we're talking about this in, in a uh, in terms of the coronavirus and in terms of business and managing business. There's discussions between the governing body and the players about a wage reduction of 30. percent um, and there's there's this has been going on for quite a few days now. And if you read between the lines, there's you know players aren't happy. Um, the governing body wants to be seen to do something good and and say, mm. look, we're going to reduce all wages by thirty um, percent. But players mm. are saying, well, hang on a minute, we give X amount to charities. I give X amount back to the NHS. I do I do this, that, and the other. Um, there, there's it's a very interesting one, isn't it, to to see what comes yeah. out of it. Yeah, but going back to, um, so, so then sort of leading on to the question you're asking me about, will things change? I, th- I think they will. Um, one of the biggest changes, but I don't think this applies to sport because it simply can't, is that people have got used to working from home. And I do wonder, that if you look at the on cost of having someone in an office and having 30, 40, 50 people in an office, if you could reduce that to 25 and still be effective, that's a significant cost saving to a business. So I, I, I think if there's one change that is uh, I can see happening is, are people going to be um, still happy to commute for two, three, four, five hours a week, month, whatever, when actually they can be just as effective at home? That, that would be the question I would, what is the impact of that is the question I'm asking myself. Yeah, it's a, it's a very good one. And we we actually touched on it, uh, I think, last week, Darren, briefly, just moving away from uh, perhaps sport at the moment. But th- th- that that is, if you speak to people, one of the biggest things they'll say will be a change in businesses. How many people have sat there at the moment? How many business owners have sat there and recalculated and said, well, okay, this is a difficult time, going to weather the storm, going to get through this. But when we come out the other side of it, I don't need to have all these people working in an office, which effectively is costing me quite a bit. Yeah, I totally agree with you. To be honest, it's one of the first things I looked at, you know, sort of within sort of Aston Waiting in Wales, you know, we are growing, uh, you know, every, every month, you know, we're taking on new, new staff. And the first thing I thought of, how the heck are we going to cope with the growth and actually, you know, take a new office on? Because, you know, we're based, we're based out of the Arms Park in Cardiff and, you know, we can't take over the Arms Park because the Arms Park needs, needs running sports. So we're looking outside of that. Now I'm thinking, actually, I probably can maintain the small office we've got because not everybody needs to be there. I think the biggest thing is, and, 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 and Rob, you come in on this, but it's that trust element and results. You know, I mean, it's not about making sure someone's sitting at a desk and they've got, they're constantly typing away because what they could be typing away could be a load of rubbish. It's what the results and that trust element that we've built up over the last three months will continue and therefore people working from home will become much more of a norm and people and going to sort of paperless offices and things like that, everything going digital, you know, become a, a reality overnight. But that trust and that sort of um, ethos of results, you know, monitoring people on results rather than, or they turn up the office at six o'clock in the morning, go home at six o'clock at night, he's a really good guy, has gone out the window. I, I, I agree. I think trust is, is, is the right word here. But this has been forced on uh, businesses by the COVID-19. This was not an option. Um, but what it does is it, it highlighted something that has been happening for, for a good number of years. But I, I take my own experience. If I go back, what, 10, 15 years, if you said you were working from home, you'd get, you know, jeers of derision saying, oh, I know what you're doing. You're going to do all the, lo- the lawn and things like that. 
But when it was forced on people and people got over the first week, a lot of people are saying, I don't have the interruptions. I can get on with my work. I'm actually a lot happier here. Um, so I, I think that trust has to be built and is being built now. And I agree with you. Yeah. It's- yeah. I talked to an IT colleague, IT colleague on uh, Friday. We went on these um, Zoom pub quizzes. And the first thing we just talked about was this working from home. And the, I think the difference in relationships. So he was talking to a, um, a customer of his. And his kid had wandered in in the middle of, a, of the conversation. And probably a couple of weeks ago, you know, a couple of months ago, he would have thought, oh, that's embarrassing. I'm working from home and my kid has walked in. Now it's become a norm because, you know, we, we are in this situation and everybody seems a little bit more relaxed and you can have a bit more relaxed conversations with businesses because of this situation we're in. But not like that, is in that this fear of, oh, he's working from home, cutting the lawn, so, sorting the kids out, he's actually doing work. When that trust element is that they don't have to be working between nine and five, they might be working six to eight because their wife is all working in the NHS all day and therefore they haven't got time to do be working nine to five. They have to do some of the homeschooling and so forth. So again, yeah, I t- totally agree with you there, Rob. It's um, it, the world has changed. Yeah, and it's it, it, interesting point you made, Darren, as well about the uh, uh, flexible working hours and and back on the back of Rob's point, there's a lot more uh, trust now. Um, so many people that I've been dealing with over the last week or so have said, look, I'm I'm actually going to work from this time to one o'clock and then I'm actually then going to work from four till eight because my wife's got to do this and we're trying to manage sort of the both the jobs and it's just acceptable and that that may mean that another change coming out of this not just working from home but flexible working hours as you say may may become a you know a a much bigger thing and uh, I think people will understand that you know working from home on the back of your point Rob it's not just about doing the lawn. And certainly if you saw my lawn, you'd know that it's, uh, it isn't. I've got a few problems with it at the moment with weeds and uh, needing grass seeds down. So if anyone's got any advice on gardening, please put it in the comments and I'd be delighted to get your advice. Um, one of the things I just want to mention that's, that's developed over the last hour or so is this call um, moving the, the subject on. We like to get through a few subjects on the show and do let us know your thoughts. Keep your comments coming in across social media. And if you listen to this on the podcast, then you can get in touch, uh, podcast at aspen-weight.co.uk and, and let us know uh, your thoughts on anything that we've talked about. I want to talk just very briefly uh, about an article that's appeared on the BBC News site, which is about um, regulations being put in place uh, for gambling adverts during the coronavirus. Um, this is something that I noticed across the weekend that there were quite a few people um, talking about this. The fact that there is, and I'm, I'm quoting here, too much spare time and a lack of distractions uh, during the lockdown, um, placing people at risk. We talked a little bit about mental health yesterday. So there, there, are, there are all sorts of calls at the moment for the government to look at gambling and how the adverts are, are, are being put in place during this because there are a lot of vulnerable people um the, li- the link here and, and the reason why i, I want to talk about this is we're talking about things that are going to change and maybe change during this and 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 after it as well is it an opportunity perhaps for something like this not just to get looked at now but potentially to get looked at for the long term a lot of gambling adverts on on the TV, the people have been saying for a long time that there's far too much, and and I'm sure everybody knows somebody that's suffered with it. Um, is this again an example, Darren, of a change that that may be for the good? 
Yeah, I think so. I think the sort of way that sort of um, you know social media and you know the, all the algorithms that these these companies have are, are brilliant at, and you know probably we've done probably R and D claims for on on this. But you're looking at sort of the, the the vulnerable people at home at the moment, and you know they think you know I can make a, a quick quid on this bingo. I could do this gambling and thinking they can earn some money. And yeah, they might have a couple of good wins, and then all of a sudden uh, it becomes a habit and doesn't take that long. I think you know. Myself working in sport, and you, I've seen a number of articles come out within so within Welsh rugby actually in the last couple of, last couple of weeks, in terms of you know people coming out and saying I've had this I've got this gambling addiction, and it's all done on the mobile phone. You know what I mean? It's it, it just sucks you in. You see these adverts on TV. You go to your Facebook, and all, all of a sudden an advert comes up. Um, it's a very it's a very it's, it's a it's an industry that is obviously you know paid lots of taxes. So it's getting that balance right to sort of not strangling the strangling the industry. But also, you know, having that sort of um, that moral um, code that you know stops this advertising during this, this peak time. I know my children have asked for me for, uh, for certain games, you know what I mean? And when I've looked at them, they they casino games for kids. It's it's absolutely mm. ridiculous that they're advertising this type of you know roulette and all sorts of things for kids. When you know, it's obviously not real money, but it's going to get them hooked. And then when it comes to, to money, it's not very long. It's not going to take them very long to get to get into these, these habits. Yeah, and Rob is, uh, I guess, the the greater uh, conversation here is back to change. You know, things we mentioned in football, will things change for the better? Will clubs start and businesses start to look at their finances differently in sport because of this? I think it's doing that to all of us. But things like uh, gambling, advertising, um, worth a mention because, again, that's something that's probably not regulated how it should be and, and it should be a little bit stricter, as, as Darren mentioned, and, and something that... If good can come of it, of things right now, that's what we need to see. Yeah, I, I mean, if you go back again, you know, tobacco advertising, alcohol al- advertising, and now gambling. There's nothing wrong intrinsically with gambling. I do the national lottery. Um, that, that's my limit. But intrinsically, there's nothing wrong. And they actually say, you know, when the fun stops, stop. The problem is that. The regulation has to be in place. So if I am one of those people who is um, going to tip over from being just uh, having a bit of fun to getting a hard-line gambler, then the regulations have to be in place to make sure that doesn't happen. So, And I don't think they are in place. So what they're doing in all of this advertising is normalizing it. It's just perfectly normal behavior to go and spend 10, 30, 40 quid um, a week on gambling. And it's not. And that would be my problem, that it's normalising what I don't think is normal behaviour. Um, and I think that the, the controls have to be in place to limit the impact it has. I absolutely agree. I think um, I think we need to... It's something that, I say, it's just come up that... Um, that perhaps is going to be looked at, and I think it's something to, uh, well worth um, being looked at uh, as well. Dan, we talk all day, I'll say this on every single show that we do at the moment, uh, about these issues. There's so many things that we talk about that we think, oh, we could expand that and talk about that more, and we will as the shows go on, and please do get uh, your comments in. But when we just take, take it maybe back to um, the leadership we mentioned at the beginning of this show, everything we talk about, relates to leadership doesn't it examples setting good examples leading by example uh, and there's a there's a kind of theme that runs through every decision that's being made from government level down to the smallest business right now 
And definitely, I'll give you an example. So, um, obviously, I work with one of the sort of um, the, the, one of the one of the Welsh rugby clubs in, in, in the Pro 14. And one of the things that's come across in the last in the last few weeks is not one single sort of person within finance can get through this alone. And the leadership from the governing body, which is obviously our, our governing body in Wales, is the Welsh Rugby Union, and working at a collaborative approach by all four regional clubs, the head, which is the Welsh Rugby Union, working together to get the best result. Because if we make decisions on our own, it could be a detriment of other things. Let's take, for example, uh, we could play a game. um, We want to play a game in August because um, we think we need the money. And that might generate, I don't know, £20,000. However, if we play the national game, because the stadium holds so many people and, you know, come come that craving for sport, we would earn far more if we released players for an international game. So all these types of conversations are going on. And, you know, we're looking at the best possible outcomes rather than doing it in isolation. And I think, you know, the collaborative approach with both your sort of your governing bodies in sport, but also in business, in, you know, the partners you work with, you know, it's got to be everybody trying to come out of this, you know, surviving and I'm working together in a better way. And I think this tolerance of, you know, whereas before there'd be sort of a, you know, a bit of brinksmanship and gamesmanship and trying to get one over on each other in business. That seems to have eased off a bit, and actually, let's actually work as a partner and grow together. And that element, I think, is going to be another key change that we're going to see is people working together, you know, to achieve to achieve greater things. Yeah, I couldn't I couldn't agree more. And and Rob, we're almost running out of time, but uh, you mentioned to me uh, before we started this show about leadership being so important. Um, I'm sure you echo the uh, Darren's thoughts there. But f- just a final thought from you. We've talked about everything today, leadership running through it. It's it just, um, just vital, isn't it, at the moment that we uh, see good people come to fruition? I, I agree. If I, if I was going to offer any advice, this is what I'd say. Take time out to think. You know your business inside out. You, you, you don't need that. Most of the advice you're going to be seeing is generic. Sit down, think through your business and what you want, what's your vision for it. Sort out the vital few that have the biggest impact, the 80-20 rule, and fix those. Don't worry about the fact that it might change in a week or two. We simply don't know that. Fix them today. But the biggest, um, what's the right word here? The, the, the thing I hear most people say about poor leadership is too little, too late. So take time out. Think through what your problems are. Select the vital few and solve those. That, that would be my encouragement to uh, leaders in business today. Yeah, plenty of uh, good points on the show. Um, thank you for watching, contributing, listening. If you're on the podcast, all that remains is to choose the song of the day. Uh, when Paul's not here, it kind of f- falls on me to do it. And I feel such great responsibility because he has such an excellent um, uh, taste and, and knowledge in music um, that I need to f- try and follow suit. And he, he always has such great stories about the songs that he's chosen, like Dear Him Yesterday and Things Can Only Get Better and, and what that meant for him and the company and, and such a great song anyway. Um, today, I, I'm not going to go into a, a great story behind it, but I, I, the things that we talked about today, David Bowie came to mind, Changes. I started to have that in my head as we were talking through things. And then I just had a little look and thought, well, actually, I'd like to play a Bowie track. Is that the best one? Heroes was almost going to be my choice today because we all need to be heroes at the moment, um, from the NHS down to everyone running a, a small business. And that seemed pretty apt. But I've gone with uh, David Bowie and Starman just because I think it's, it's such an inspirational 
song. It just it's a feel good song. It makes you feel like something wonderful is um is is around the corner, and um, that's what I'm gonna play today so if you're listening on the podcast David Bowie and Starman is the song and if you're watching on the live stream then do go and check out the video of that song or just go on Spotify and have a little play of that and and listen after this um Rob thank you so much for joining us on the phone today really enjoyed having you uh, on the show I know you're going to be back next Wednesday um Rob thank you for your company pleasure really enjoyed it thank you Ben thank you Darren Thanks so much. Yeah, and Darren, of course, as always, um, you'll be back with us uh, next Wednesday. Thank you for uh, for your company uh, as well. Uh, right, that's, that's it from, from us today. Uh, thank you for watching, uh, for listening. Do subscribe to our YouTube channel. Uh, download the podcast if you've not done already. And we'll be back with another show tomorrow at 12.30. We'll see you then.